I'm Stephen Gregory Smith. And I'm Matt Connor. We are bringing Treats and Tricks in Season 6 of The, the Connor, Connor and Smith, Smith Show. Woo. All right. Today we have a uh, 80s throwback uh, that is controversial. Uh, I just saw it. We just saw it for the first time. Sleepaway Camp. Um, this film is bonkers, uh, and really, uh, all over the place, but if you have never, or if you have, I know that when I saw, said that we were watching this for the first time on social media, it kind of got a lot of comments and a lot of people talking about it. So maybe you should pause, stop, go watch, so when you listen to us talk about it, you can be like, oh, yeah, or oh, no, or oh, mabes. Um, so that's going to be our film of the day. We're going to be dropping a few of these every couple of days from now till Halloween. It's like every two days, another one, just so you have something to watch and something to listen to, uh, during these spooky times. Um, and please, if you did not know, we have a Patreon. Go check out our Patreon page. The Patreon. Yes. Patreon theme song. Patreon theme song do 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 that's Santa anyway uh, we do have a Patreon for those who want to support us for those who already are supporting us thank you so much check it out every little bit helps and we're gonna we're gonna take a quick break we will be right back in 1985 Tyler was meeting Justin at their favorite arcade Longshot just as Justin was about to confess his love for Tyler, the world changed. Yeah. Blending elements of 1980s pop culture and LGBTQIA fiction, we journey through this incredible experience that brings them closer together as they fight against a world trying to keep them apart. <laughs> Listen to Longshot on Anchor FM, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. Right, today we are going to be talking about 1983's Sleepaway Camp. Does that mean it was a snore to you? No, sleepaway. No, I was just trying to be like sleep. I was being the uh, color the, commentary. The the foy. <laughs> the foy. Floy. Foy is for people who fly. Right. You were thinking foley. Right. We need both to get through this. All right, Ryan, can you just run run down what the Sleepaway Camp synopsis is? Yes. Angela Baker, a shy, traumatized young girl, is sent to summer camp with her cousin. Shortly after her arrival, anyone with sinister or less than honorable attention, intentions toward her gets their comeuppance. All right. Ooh. I will say, trigger warning right off the beginning, there's some traumatic things and very disheartening things that might be offensive to trans people, um, gay people, people, people. So if you are triggered by those kind of things, you are warned. Um, this is a very interesting film where it lies in the um, politically correct spectrum. Uh, while it is hated by a lot of the trans community. It is also loved by a lot of the trans community. And you can find essays pro and con. Um, 
also from like a queer perspective, there weren't a lot of films like this, especially not in 1983, that um, depicted this level. I mean, there's a full-on gay couple with children. Um, in a black box theater? It's really, <laughs> it's really interesting. interesting. Yeah. Um, to start out, uh, I have my notes here. Do you have, you guys have notes as well? Maddie, you wrote down some things. My notes are in my head. Oh, good, good. My notes are hum, hum, hum. Wow. Well, we start the film out after a, a, a very interesting credit sequence uh, showing this camp. This was filmed in New York. Yeah, um, and uh, the director, Robert Hiltzik, yeah. uh, went to this camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a New York, I think, uh, New York University film student. And uh, the beginning is great. It's a great setup. It's got like great shots of where, what you're going to see throughout the film at this camp, Arawak, which exists. But what I don't get is the foliage is giving you fall. Isn't this a summer camp? It is, but it is supposed to be summer camp, but they could only use it when it wasn't being used. So it was so the, so definitely it's a, cold. It's very like weird for me because the, there's beautiful fall foliage in the credit sequence. And I'm like, wait a minute, this is a summer camp. Um, well, uh, you know, to kind of uh, say it was there was nobody there when that when you're seeing that. So maybe that was when it was closed. Maybe right. I'd have to go back and see if there's fall foliage and in the actual get there, proper. Yeah, when the buses pull up. So we start the film in a flashback. Um, a very annoying. Well, no, it's not a flashback. It's it's present day because it says eight years later afterwards. Okay, so we do start in the past. Yes. <clears throat> we we start in a a sound of underscoring in a. The music in the very beginning, I thought sounded like it really was not in the same film. Because it felt it felt like it was borrowed music from like three other films because it was like public domain from the library CBS library a film so yeah. it just felt like oh this is like you're supposed to be interested in a spooky story score bum 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 this also came on the heels of um, what Friday the Thirteenth was seventy Halloween Halloween I mean slashers were the thing but uh, I think this was particularly colored with, of course, Friday the 13th vibes because it was a camp. Um, there's counselors, there's, you know. But a camp with actual children. That's the thing that sets this one apart. We're dealing with actual children getting killed, actual, like, little children getting killed. I would have never guessed that that uh, that the cousin was 17. They, they don't look, uh, they look pretty young, um, that's for sure. But there's anyway a boat accident where there's an annoying um, trio out uh, with a motorboat and water skis and some of the most annoying actors in the um, film, which is in the history of film, saying a lot. Uh, and they carelessly don't let me drive. I want to drive. They carelessly uh, <laughs> go faster. Steer right into. This guy who is with his two kids, presumably. And the kids actually knock the boat over, right? So that's why they're in the water. The water. So it's really their fault. And the one guy calls to another guy, both handsome, both shirtless, tiny little trunks, which will be a theme of this film. Um, calls to him that, hey, we've got to go. We're, we've got to go meet Aunt Mar- Martha. Yes. And so we're foreshadowing a little there. And I'm like, wait a minute, is that like, honey, we've got to go, get ready? Is this a couple? What's going on? Uh, next thing you know, the boat crashes into... Them in the water. Yep. Uh, and 
the, some people die. The guy is floating dead. There's a life jacket that looks rumpled. And then there's like a body that's kind of floating. Yeah. Um, so, but you do realize that you know, uh, one person has survived, and then it it's a eight years later, and it's a house, mm-hmm. and it goes inside to the strangest aunt. Before we get to her, I just right. I just want to read my notes verbatim. Men's shorts were surely short in the 1980s. <laughs> um, seemingly gay couple with kids? Question mark. All right, eight years later. So Richard and Angela are the names of the, ch- the kids, right? Um, Do we know that before? Ricky, yeah. Well, she says Richard, Richard yeah. Angela. Yeah, yeah, Do we know that until we get to the aunt? No. And the aunt, they must have been trying very bold choices. Um, the first time I saw the aunt, I thought the aunt was a drag queen because she's that extremely arch in her delivery, her look, her nails, her lead press-ons are huge. Um, she's got little strings tied around her finger. And there's absolutely no chance that anyone, if she talks like this all the time, that anyone in life would ever think that she is not crazy. Like... Hundred percent. Oh my! I like. How does she go out, out, out and about talking like this? It was, it was just very strange choices. And the the beret that's just you know akimbo. Red she reminded beret. me of the woman that does po- political humor, Betty. But Bowers, something. Betty like Bowers, that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, very. Arch. But I also said I wrote down immediately before she explained it. I was like, she has got a string. Tied on her finger. Yeah. And I thought, they're not going to explain that until like way later, but then she explained it. it was like, I even tied a finger around, to a rem- string around my finger. To finger remind around my string. me. Um, so, so the basic plot po- points, besides the ant, seems really wackadoo. Um, and like you you had mentioned, you, you had said, well, maybe they're trying to make it look like, you know, it's... It's the aunt that's going to be the know, killer. Be the killer. Taking the Jason's mom. Right. Spoiler exactly. alert if you haven't seen Friday the thirteenth. It's Jason's mom. Um, trying to get that angle probably. Um, the main plot point that we need besides her uh, name and the kids' names is that she has their physicals and that she's a doctor and if anyone asks you where you got them, they're they're from me. And I know everything about both of you. Oh, I forgot that. Yeah. yeah. Which is a big deal later when you feel, fi- figure out that she's a... Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get there in case people have not seen it. Yeah, this um, is going to be completely spoiler. Like, so, you know, if written. you want to see the movie, go watch the movie. Come back, come back and then listen because we're going to completely spoil it. <laughs> I love the one girl that says, it's Meg. M-E-G. And I wrote... Is there another, another way to way spell that? Oh, Meg. M-E-G-H. <laughs> um, so we get to camp. Again, short shorts abound. This is a film that is... This is this was... The first time I saw it, this was the second time when I watched it with you guys. Um, I was feeling things. I was like, there's such a gayness about this movie. The men are more scantily clad than the women. I mean that one dude that had the shirt that was like right underneath his he chest. Had it it was like it was almost like why even why wear, even wear a shirt? shirt? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There was nothing covered. It was it was like the guy had one of the biggest chests in the film. Not that we're counting that, but it was. There's a lot of sexualization of males in this. It was very uh, 
weird. Um, so, so we get there, and one of the first things we encounter um, is a pedophile, creepy cook. Yeah, but so the you know the buses pull up, and all of the kids are getting out, and you kind of get a setup of some of the kids and who they are, mm-hmm. um, and then you get this cook that's a I just like it's creepy to even like listen to what he's saying. Oh, I, and I won't mention it. Yeah, um, it's crazy. Suffice to say, he's a pedophile, and when he first spoke his deplorable disgusting lines i said victim number one exactly which is what happens but um i mean that was i think they're setting up in this film and we'll get to this as we go through this this is a film about bullies and bad people i think first and foremost and most of those bullies and bad people get their their just desserts um their comeuppance their comeuppance as mentioned in the uh earlier thing by ryan so Again, I wrote actual kids. Actual kids. This is not... Which is which it makes it even that much more hard to watch sometimes. Disturbing. Because, because it's actual children. Now, do the children actually act all that well? I, I don't know. No, I mean, it's after school special level kind of acting. Yeah. The um, Then we meet, uh, I believe, Paul is his name. Well, like the d- director said... The kids aren't bad, but they are kind of unsupervised and are being what kids would be unsupervised, which is which is what very camp... much my experience with camp as well. Yeah, right. Which yeah. is what camp you're, is. You're left to your own devices for probably some of the first times in your life, and you know that's not always good for kids. Or sometimes you still dream about them. <laughs> so Paul sees Ricky and says, "Hey, Ricky, have you seen Judy? Man, oh man, you'll see." Oh, and, like, and he gestures this... towards his chest because there's a lot of quote unquote locker room talk, which we'll get into. Um, then... In front of Angela. Oh, yeah. In yeah. front of Angela, which is probably very disconcerting. She doesn't talk, by the way. She, she hasn't said a word. She won't say a word. She doesn't talk much in this film until near the end, and then only a little. Then we meet Meg. M E G. Meg. Uh, the male camp counselor, whose name I didn't catch because I was staring at his short shorts. Um, so then, uh, Angela's not eating, it's revealed. and so Not talking, not eating. Uh, people are making a huge deal out of her not talking. Getting really angry at her for not talking. Yeah. So, the counselor of the short shorts and the big chest... Um, says, uh, let me take you to the cook. Which is, I'm like, ooh, this is a bad idea. And he creepily is like, I think we can find something she'd like to eat. And then takes her to the walk-in. Um, the walk-in freezer or whatever. Uh, this guy proceeds to like unbutton his pants. And, and then Ricky walks in. And then, thank God, her, her brother, cousin. cousin, whatever it is, walks in. She is saved. Um, then we're introduced to one of the tallest boiling pots in the world. Um, they are boiling corn. Uh, in this pot that's on a stove top. Now, Matt, you've said you've seen pots like that before. Well, my but... first thing was, okay, the way that you have it on top of the stove, if you fill it with all that corn... And water. And water, how are you going to get it off? Because it's going to be really heavy and hot. But the way that I've seen those pots usually used is outside on an open fire where they're, they're boiling potatoes, corn... seafood and whatever and they kind of use a pole yeah and two guys pick it up and it's kind of like tipped over something 
an outside sort of table thing where people just kind of pick at it. Mm-hmm. But I've never seen it put on top of like a, a stove. cooking stove. So the guy has a stool. It has a ladder to get up to the top yeah. of it. It was almost like cartoony. So the guy has this stool. But let's face it. If it was a smaller pot, it wouldn't have worked. Um, <laughs> so, so the guy then, after he's busted, goes back to boiling his corn. I don't see any seafood that was not in the budget. Oh, wait. I just had an idea, though. Yeah. You could climb that after it's all done and boiled and just take something and, like, scoop it out of the top. Sure. Because it'll float to the top, right? Guess that? so. You take, like, a strainer. Stop looking on your phone, man. I'm looking up large corn pot. <laughs> I guess, I guess, uh, I guess they could have taken it out one at a time. It seems, like, very well, inefficient. I mean, it was, well, I mean, there was just many dozens. And not to mention, when corn is boiling and that hot steam is there... I mean, you can do it, but it's... No, I mean, you would take, like, something, like a, a utensil... Strainer or whatever to pick it, it up. I don't know, I'm just... Yeah, but you're right. It's it's kind of convenient that it's sitting there and we're all like, oh, that's going to fall. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just a side note, I wrote, there's a lot of freaking flies in this kitchen. Like, so many flies. They have the fly strips. First of all, just hanging in the kitchen. Disgusting. Covered in flies. But then there's still flies, like, everywhere. Everywhere there's flies. Which is, you know what it looks like anywhere in August. I just Googled, not that it matters, I wrote, I wrote large kettle corn pot, pot uh, just thinking that something would pop up because it was so big. But there, I, I don't, I've never seen anything like that except an outside thing. It's very Alice in Wonderland-esque. Um, but anyway, so this guy is going back to his pot stirring and then... <laughs> uh, you know what? He was stirring the pot. He deserved it. And a, a hand... Uh, reaches for the stool he's on and pulls and he is forced into a compromised position he's doesn't have his balance and after saying hey you kid quit that whatever he is pulled the 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 stool is pulled he grabs onto the pot to balance himself which doesn't work because it's boiling hot and then he falls backwards pulling the boiling water on top of himself then we're privy to our first s fx shot of blisters uh they use some kind of um tubing and a little air pumper to make the blisters look like they're actually rising um the 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 special effects guy whose name i did not write down he did a really good job with not much money i will say that he was very inventive um so we have you know he's not dead though so I can't even say victim one. He is a victim, but he's not a casualty. I don't one. know if he'll survive that. And we, if he does, then he's going to lead the worst life ever, which I think is probably the point. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, so then uh, the the owner of the camp, who I think I wrote his name down later. Uh, Mel. Mel, thank you. Uh, who is kind of akin to the mayor in Jaws in this film. Like He's like, everything's fine. There was just one death. Um, and he in, ensues an $80 cover-up of the Get whole the thing. the guy smokes a cigar every place he goes. All the time. Yeah. Yeah. An $80 cover-up. Uh, he says to the African-American cook, oh, what about 50 a week? And an extra 15 to you guys. And so I was like, oh, so for 80 bucks. And the guy, you were probably paying the other guy That amount bucks. of money. Yeah, right. Exactly right, yeah. So economy in real time in the 80s. Um... Then we get to one of the most bizarre scenes, and, and that's saying something in this film. 
the mind over matter monologue. So there's a kid called Mozart um, who has glasses they pick on a lot. And they have a, he's laying on the floor. They have a towel over his eyes. And Ricky is doing this big monologue about the suggestion of the mind and how he won't be able to sit up if he uh, it listens to his words. It's like a hypnosis kind of thing. And it goes on. I mean, this is a monologue. And finally, they count down three, two, one, pull the towel up. And Mozart sits up into Paul's bare butt. Literally, his nose goes in his crack. And this is not fake. And it, the first time I saw it, I didn't believe it was real. And it happens the way the camera pans. We see it for the first time as Mozart does. It's just every bit as shocking. These are children again. Maybe not. Maybe they're like 17. Which is, I'm sure, something that happened to the guy that wrote it. Mm. I think I went to the wrong camp. <laughs> um, so then there's another counselor that we meet who's a Mario Lopez lookalike in a crop top. Um, and then my note says, this movie is gay. I thought it was a James, uh, John Stamos lookalike. Well, I'll take either one. Um, yeah, the movie's soups gay. We have beautiful men in crop tops and, uh, you know, kids sitting into butt cracks. Then there's this great coupling of lines. Eat shit and die, Ricky. And to which Ricky responds, eat shit and live, Bill which I thought was quite um, <laughs> amazing. Then we have a 30-minute baseball game. Yeah, he just loved the baseball, and that was this part This movie's of... only like an hour and some change. I yeah. feel it's not 30 minutes, but it feels like yeah. forever. And he said he did that on purpose to kind of... And I'm like, I'm sure you did when you saw the runtime of your film was really slight, and you needed to pad it with, oh, I've got footage of a baseball well, game. Well, I mean, I'm sure he says he liked baseball, and that's what he remembers doing in camp, right? Sure. Yeah. It also really set up some sort of camaraderie, yet some sort of competition between everyone without really doing anything but like a nice, clean sport. They didn't want to use the lake because they were going to have to waste much more time doing retakes of stuff because of, of water, boats, whatever. They did, probably didn't want to use, maybe there wasn't a volleyball net. I guess a baseball game was like the easiest to kind of keep reshooting or directing or whatever let's just well yeah and i think it's also a good thing to kind of show if you can call it characterization you know the different uh relationships that people have the type of people they are it's a good thing for that you know what i mean so we meet the bullies in the game too which is like important because we're gonna spend a lot more time with them coming up in the next scene which i wrote dance question mark they're in like what i consider the mess hall there's music playing. No one's dancing. I'm not sure what the event is. If it's dinner, if it's not. Is it just a social? Maybe. I. It's dance. It's a dance question mark. Yeah. Where no one's dancing. It could have been a listening party. It could have been a, a somebody dropped an album. Um. But no. Has Has Angela said goodbye to Paul yet at this point? No. The only time. She She's going going to. She's okay going to. So, the uh, the villains. Talk about skinny dipping. Um, As you do. Skinny dipping with 15 guys and Angela. They're all trying to see if she'll come to the water. Um, Ricky walks in in a cowboy hat bigger than his head. Um, and I'm not sure why, and it's never explained, and it's just what it is. And then I wrote, boy fights! Well, I, I'll say this about the cowboy hat. When I was a kid, there was something at that age... 
you know, 13, 12 years old, I wanted boots and I wanted a cowboy hat. Mm. And I got one and I would wear it randomly, exactly like that, to certain things. It must have been a straight thing. Oh, I don't know. It's a cowboy hat. I don't know. I, I never guess. had a desire. Um, Did you ever have a cowboy hat? Yeah, I feel like a cowboy hat is the closest thing you can get to a costume or putting on a personality that makes you feel kind of bigger, safe, and almost sort of, uh, almost dressed up. Right, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm not going to get dressed up, but I'm going to put on this hat. So he wore his cowboy hat to the social. I'm just wondering how the packing for camp went with that big hat, because that, <laughs> that would need a hat box. You're right, you're right, you're totally right. Um, and he came with a duffel bag. I didn't, I'm say, just it, saying. didn't say it was his. Of course, it could be the resident cowboys. Um, that guy in the shorts. So Paul chats with Angela for the first time at this event. Um, and uh, also the Mario Lopez lookalike comes in a teal um, mesh see-through shirt. I had to make mention of that. And this is the first time we hear Angela talk. She says goodnight to Paul as he leaves. So she likes Paul. Huge deal. Huge deal. We come next to the skinny dipping scene. All the boys. And like five girls. And they're like, come on, let's go. Let's get something going. And the girls are like, you go first. So then all the boys get Together. naked. This is a gay movie. They What's all gay with that? All the boys get naked together and jump in the water without the girls. Well. Does that remind you of any parties you've been to? Is yeah. it raining? No, someone's recycling. Oh, good. Um, so the boys, then we have the two boys who are smoking weed under the bleachers. Um, so there's a tipped canoe. There's talk of water snakes and turtles. Um, the guy who tips the canoe uh, goes under the boat. And oh, right, because he, they, they, he finally gets a girl to go out with him on the kayak, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then he tips the boat over. Right, on purpose. And she... She gets pissed and laughs. She swims back to shore. But he comes up underneath the tipped canoe and calls her name like she's going to hear him under that canoe. Or like she canoe. didn't immediately run away because he's a dick. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, there's a reference to, oh, there's plenty of snakes in this water, grabbing their own crotches. Um, again, this is just a very sexualized film. And then suddenly the, I mean, the kid under the canoe gets drowned um by he he says what are, what are you, you doing, doing here, here? Yeah. Yeah. yeah is this kind of like the precursor to or maybe not isn't this, this is kind of like the camps at Friday the 13th well Friday the 13th came first it did oh yeah seriously but, but same sort of potty humor and yeah sex but, and, talk. and it followed really older people too mm -hmm. even though they might have been playing well no, it was it was Friday the 13th was the wasn't it the uh Chaperones, counselors, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was always like, "Where are the little kids?" But anyway, the next day, <laughs> I don't know if you two noticed this, but I couldn't help but the next day, there's a lifeguard question mark picking up furniture out of the water area and cursing. He falls in the water and gets up and has an enormous package that jiggles in the water. I'm just saying, it's pointed out on many websites. It's just a really over-sexualized film. Anyway, and then he finds the kid, apparently eaten by turtles and snakes that he was warning about, under a tipped canoe. Yeah, it comes out of his eye. The yeah. snake comes out of his eye. 
This is one of the less special special effects. Um, yeah, the waterlogged uh, look, human being. Yeah, just kind of looks like clay. Um, so then we are Mel, the camp owner, comes out in shorts and long pulled up black socks, which is always a killer look. Um, and the muscly counselor is in a bikini, and they discuss, "Oh, that's too dead. What do we do now?" Well, nothing. Um, Who was in a bikini? Do you remember that? Yeah, the muscly dude was in like shorts that came up to his thigh. They looked like a bikini, basically. Oh. You know, you know those old uh, old shorts that were like muscle shorts, yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah. Well, I I had said to Ryan at one point when we had a little uh, pre-production meeting, um, <laughs> there was something about the furniture, and I'm not. You know what? I'm nobody. I'm teaching camp this week, but I thought it was funny that the furniture had no real cohesive anything. It looked like either A, they went and got furniture that was in the mess hall and just threw it out there, but there was like, ran it just looked random. It didn't look like lake furniture. It looked, Why was it there? Yeah. It looked like, why is this furniture? Right, so and maybe it was on purpose. And for me, <clears throat> I would think... This is all stuff that was stored because it, it didn't, you know, it hadn't been closed for, you know, a certain period of time. And they just go and pull out anything that they have that's stored. So it's not going to have some kind of, you know, uh, aesthetic. Do you know what I mean? It's right. just like whatever we can find. Go give me six chairs. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So later we have a volleyball game. Not much to impart with this scene other than Judy and Meg are really serious bitches. In this film, they're just nasty. Um, yeah, and, and okay. At this point, is she talking yet? No. Okay. I, I have something I want to say about that. Um, so Paul and Angela kiss two times. Uh, and she doesn't seem very into it. She's not into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's not into it. Um, then we have Paul and Judy, where Judy says, oh, "I'm the resident." Camp Slutton, you, uh, she's a prude. Come with me. Um, back at no, the, no, no. She's talking by this time. Angela's saying like a word here and there, not much. I yeah, guess. but she actually is talking because she talks to the at the volleyball game. She talks to uh, one of the counselors. Oh, well, you're right. Yeah. Okay. So, but my thing was, I wanted to say was, so they make fun of her for not talking and like give her so much hell. And then all of a sudden she starts talking and nobody cares. Nobody says anything about the fact it's that she's talking deal, now. Yeah. It's so strange to me that it's just completely forgotten about when it was made such a huge deal about. Anyway. Back at the boys' bunk, uh, there's more Mozart torture, uh, shaving cream to the face, uh, and Mozart brandishes a knife. Um, pushed over the edge, He, out of nowhere, this kid pulls a knife. Um so Paul is then called a lover boy, and at, at that point the uh, the uh, counselor counselor takes the knife and puts it in his stuff. Mm -hmm. So you see him do that on purpose because uh, it's again a, a misdirection of trying to say. Oh, I mean, it's not a strong. Misdirection. I, it's not a strong. <laughs> no. but it, that, that was the point, though. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure they're trying to go. Oh, is it maybe him? But I think we've all kind of figured out who it is. We think. So Paul is called a lover boy, and then they all the boys jump on top of him in bed. And then it goes to like a commercial? Yeah, it's a fade. <laughs> it's a weird fade. Um, soup's gay. Uh, meanwhile, at the beach, Paul and Angela, guess who? So this is a really weird tonal shift where 
Angela, who's talking now in little bits, Paul comes up behind her, covers her eyes, which would be very jarring to anyone, I think, and says, guess who? And she names all these other boys' names. And then finally... Plays a joke on yeah, her. Plays oh, who are you? Oh, who are you? So then Judy has to come along and tease them both. Uh, she gets Meg involved. And then Paul says, well, I better get back in the water and leaves Angela totally by herself to get bullied more, um, which I thought was... And a, doesn't say anything. No, really weak move. Um, so then Meg shakes Angela. Um, Why won't you answer me? And Meg is a uh, chaperone. Yeah. Yeah. And then she gets in trouble. Uh, I'm not By sure. The same guy that comes in and uh, that stood up for her before, in the very beginning, that took her into the yeah. uh, kitchen where she almost got raped. Yeah. Um, the next thing. So this is a litany of bullying, right? Judy asks why Angela never takes showers with them, and then she says, "Are you queer?" Huh. That kind of pushed buttons for me. Of like, just remembering a lot of locker room talk in the 80s um, and 90s. Uh, and then we have this classic line. She's a carpenter's dream, flat as a board and needs a screw. I mean, there's just some lines in here that you feel like someone was really proud of. Well, I think it's also, I think it's literal things that he probably heard and remembered mm -hmm. as a kid. Because kids are freaking mean, man. And let's talk about locker rooms real quick. Yeah. I hated going to the locker room. Sure. Hated it. I avoided it at all costs. And... The amount of bullying and you know just making fun of like it it was it was hard guys. Did you have the same type of experience? And you kind of had to either like go with it or like mm. take it. You know what I mean? It's a lot of energy. Oh my god! It's a lot of energy with teenage boys. It's traumatizing. I, I mean, I can't speak from the girl perspective. I've seen Carrie. I know what happens in <laughs> female <laughs> locker rooms. I, I'm I'm assuming it's the same way, if not worse, in some regards for girls but for boys it can be quite it's a lot of testosterone it's a lot of energy in one place um, what about you Matt well for it's a period it's a window and a slice in time when you're leaving an innocent sort of world and moving into a knowingness as an adult and your body is changing and you are aware of it changing and you don't know how it's all going to end up so there's this weird insecurity about your hair that you're growing in different places and your things that are growing and not to mention those things that boys have uh you know sometimes will alter sizes based on temperature or stimulation or whatever and it's a very fragile time to all of a sudden just announce, oh, by the way, guys, everyone go in that room and take off your clothes. <laughs> and I'm going to watch you. Well, and you're kind of like, oh, I didn't do this at Bass Hoover in fifth grade. Right. You know, all of a sudden right. you're just thrown into it. There's no warm up. And when there's older kids who are usually the ones that were making fun of the Or the coach kids. literally watching you. What? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that never happened. Or was me. that just me? <laughs> Coach would like make sure no one was getting in fights or anything. Oh, would really? Sit and watch. Well, the that's coach what he had, said. The coach had to watch because in my school, there was paper towels that we ripped off the wall that were brown, and they went up on two hooks like this. So there was a big slab of like 
big brown paper. If you took more than two, you got in trouble. <laughs> because it was a thing. Was so, that to dry yourself off with? That was to dry yourself off oh with. Oh, God, you just get two pieces of paper? Yeah. Everyone was wet. Everyone was moldy and mildewy. Well, that's the reason everybody every, stunk. Everyone stunk. Yeah. And everyone was allowed to bring a towel, but the people who brought towels only took them home to wash once on a week. Friday. Yeah. And those towels would get so freaking moldy, mildewy, stinky. I remember stiff. that. Stiff as yeah. a board. Yeah. Um, all right. So. Sorry, I just like that little tangent because it is a very traumatic it's a thing. thing. Yeah. It's a thing. I but I do miss it. <laughs> Sometimes I do too. Um, so, so, so. The boys, the bully boys, are having a water balloon battle on the roof, like you do. Um, very bizarre choice. I, I mean, I have shot bottle rockets off of a roof before, so I'm just saying. Well, that would make more sense with the coming line, because they hit Angela with a balloon. Then Richard spews curse words out at them, much like Ralphie in The Christmas Story goes, You're rocking, frackin', rockin', rockin', rockin'. Yeah, it's, um, a, it's, a, it's a good one, too. Yeah. And Mel, the camp owner, says... You could have taken her eye out. And I think with a water balloon, I don't know. A bottle rocket, yes. Yeah, yeah. But a maybe, water balloon? Maybe if the water hits you just right, I don't know. I don't think I've don't ever know. heard that. And that's when Mel kind of looks at Ricky mm -hmm. and, and is kind of like, why are you so angry, dude? You're the killer. Yeah. Well, no, that was after the fact, but he is so angry. He has to actually, like, grab him and make him calm he's down. Very, he's very protective of Angela. So you, that's also a red herring slash there are theories. Yeah. Anyway, we'll get to that guy. Uh, the guy who hit her with the bloom dies next in a very interesting death scene. He, my note says, guy who hit her with balloon dies by bees in a bathroom stall while pooping. <laughs> Apparently couldn't break a dowel rod till it was too late. Or climb underneath. Um, there's so many ways to get out. Go out of the way that the beehive came in. Like, like there's so many ways out. Yeah, and, and this dowel rod was... He did break it as he died. Um, it's interestingly shot. It is. It's a it's nice shot. It's probably one of the best shots. Yeah. Um, so the camp owner, Mel, is afraid he's finished, and he thinks right at this moment that Ricky is the killer because he saw the anger in Ricky in the last... In his eyes. Yeah. And he, he actually has a couple of, like you know soliloquies to himself about ricky and him being so evil and mean which is another like hey look over here because mm -hmm. i think the first time i saw this i was thinking the whole time that it was ricky mm -hmm. i never thought that it was angela he thought it was ricky that who was the killer yeah so he went to ricky and was like hey you're the bee's knees but um so then we we see angela sneaking around question mark She's got her hands kind of like she's tiptoeing. It's a really like. What is she looking for? That that was somebody like after a shoot saying, "Dude, don't we shouldn't we just throw everyone a little monkey wrench? Yeah, and just have Angela like walking around just to kind of throw everybody but off." But she's doing those I'm sneaking hands that like you see kids try to act like they're sneaking, where you put your hands like and it's weird. Um, and I'm like, what was she doing? And she's caught by Paul, and she's like, "Oh my that god!" Is right that is right after. The killing in the bathroom. Yeah, so you're you're kind of going. Oh, okay. was that Angela? And she's well, we sneaking? skipped over Mel and Ju was it Judy or Meg? We're not there yet. Really? No, not there yet. It's coming. Um. So Paul gives her an awkward kiss. No, they have an awkward kiss, and then she like. 
pulls his leg out and he falls. It's really weird. Um, then they start kissing. Paul starts taking her shirt off. And then we get a gay flashback. This is what Ryan alluded to being in a studio theater because everything is black except for the things we see. The bed and the... Yeah. So it appears to be shot in a theater. Um, there's two gay guys in a bed making love. And one of them is uh, the father. These are the guys we saw at the beginning of the film yeah. and we see two kids giggling and watching. Then we see those two kids not really touch each other but like they're gonna experiment on their own like sticking a finger out yeah and like sh like shaking a finger kind yeah. Of thing. yeah it's a really weird flashback and then angela runs away i still do experiment with shaking fingers <laughs> i'm experimenting right now <laughs> so later at the beach paul is sorry judy messes everything up ricky and mel uh have this weird exchange judy tries to get angela in the water now this was something i just read in an essay and i didn't put it all together anytime angela's by the water this is the same water that she witnessed her sibling and parent die in and the the crazy aunt thought it was a good idea to send her back to this same place and anytime she's by that water, she's seriously troubled. Um, doesn't want to go in it. Um, so Mel stops Ricky from saving Angela and accuses him of murder. Um, this is a great line. I can't remember who said it. I think it's the other counselor. You're a real peckerhead. You know that, Meg? It's just a great, great line. Um, so there's a counselor meeting. Um, I'm trying to breeze through this here. Jenny and Meg are off for the night. Meg makes a date with Mel. What? So Meg, the counselor, who Who's was Meg, from right? like One Life to Live, she was like a big deal on right, the this set. Is, this is right before the social that's supposed to happen that evening. So Meg is like, hey, it's Mel. It's her night off because they, they are trying to get a night off, right? Yeah. The, and, and Meg gets the night She's off. She's like, you, you, how about that dinner you owe me? Yeah. Oh, to Mel. Okay. This old, this, this old man. Dude. I mean, old. I'm, I'm talking. Grandpa. Yeah, grandpa old. And he's always. We're talking 52 here, folks. No. No. No, uh, no. He, he no, was... I know exactly what both of you mean. <laughs> he's much older. He would not be playing Mel. No. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, and what was the thought process behind what's that? What's the backstory there? And also. Was it supposed to be a younger guy? <laughs> I don't know. And then he just was cast and they kept the script? You know I don't know. It's an know. owner of a camp. I don't, I don't know. Do you think in some way, I know you don't really see all the film until you get the dailies, but you don't really get to see everything until you're kind of editing together. Do you think that they thought that they would kept having like maybe moments that would throw different people off just by random... Right, like, the misdirection. Like absolutely. Who, yeah. who was that? Could that have? Is that what is that? Absolutely. And then, by after watching the film, you realize all oh, that was nothing. But do you think in? Yeah, totally. Purposed misdirection. Absolutely. So Meg gets a shower to get ready for her hot date. I'm just my blood curdles thinking of it. And uh, she has to go use the one next door because uh, it, there's a huge line. For the shower. For the shower. Convenient for the killer is all I got to say. So, yeah, everybody was showering. Yeah, it was a huge line. Because they were getting ready for the social. Yeah. yeah. And I, I just want to do this. She is humming 
an impossibly annoying tune in the shower. I'm actually going to stop the recording now so I can sample this tune. We'll be right back. <laughs> and then the knife goes through the curtain. It's the it's like the it's not a curtain. It's like a linoleum. It, it, yeah, you're right. Thing. Yeah, it just looked like a curtain yeah. kind of, um, and goes down, cutting her. Uh, then the killer cleans the blade kind of halfway, and then turns the water off because they're eco conscious, and I appreciate that. Um, Next we have Paul and Angela. He is really sorry. Um, For kissing Judy. Judy, again, I write Judy's a bitch. She pushes right through them. Yeah, at the social, right. And then Angela says, meet me at the waterfront after the social. And that kind of got laughs in the living room. Um, <laughs> and I think it just felt like a setup. Like, meet me at the waterfront after the social. Take me to the castle and I'll explain it all later. How would have May, May West would have said it? Uh, <clears throat> Made me at the waterfall after the social. Right. Um, so we have this subplot of the one counselor who's taking the peewee campers into the woods. Uh, the whole point of that subplot besides uh, these are the only people to die that are not like somehow flawed. And at that same time that that's happening of them getting killed, right? Well, and then we introduce the hatchet in that scene, which is key right. for later. I think the, the reason was the hatchet, but... Um, and that same time, uh, what I was going to say, it was Ricky's getting beat up by Mel. Yeah, shaken Be and Because he, he found Meg. Mm -hmm. Yeah, creepy Mel was looking for Meg. Judy and Dude are kissing. And then Judy has the great line, Do you have to kiss so wet? And then they go back to kissing because, you know, you apparently just review your kisses in the middle of getting them. Um, then they hear something. Judy gets left by the rando dude. Mel finds Meg dead in the shower. Meg's body falls just as he walks in because that happens right. in life. Mel thinks it's Ricky. He is crazed and leaves to find him. Judy's curling her hair. Suddenly... Um, she uh, gets a pillow over the face, uh, a curling iron in the genitalia. And all of those killings, if we really think about the time that all of these took, they all happened within, what, a couple hours It's of a each spree. Other? It's a spree. Because like, she would have had to go to the campsite. Kill the kids. Kill the kids. Where she, that she, was right after Meg. After Meg. While Ricky's getting beat up, then to go meet Paul at the waterfront. It's just a very weird timeline. Uh, so Judy's dead. Um, the, then we find the little kid's dead by the hatchet. Uh, Mel grabs Ricky, smacks the hell out of him. 
then he's killed by an arrow through the neck. Very... Which, if you watch the uh, sitcom Ghosts, there is a ghost in that that has the same thing happen to him. <laughs> killed the same way. And also, there's an arrow through the neck in Friday the 13th. Isn't that how Kevin Bacon is killed? Bacon, yeah. yeah. Uh, so the police arrive. Angela and Judy are missing. So is Ricky. Search the cabins. Um, the cop from earlier comes back. Oh, okay, so let's talk about the cop. The cop had a mustache when we saw him earlier. He apparently had another gig and he had to shave, so they gave him a mustache. It looked like one of those. Uh, it looked drawn cop, like those cop uh, ones. Didn't we have to wear them at college? You know what I'm talking about? There's just the regular mustaches that. It's like, like the Keystone mustache cop. that comes with the glasses and nose. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Except it looks like painted on. God, his it face. was it was funny. It was funny. So Paul is at the waterfront. Angela says. Now, this is Angela who has not wanted to go near the water. Let's go swimming. Take off your clothes. Uh, so the cop with a fake mustache finds Ricky alive. They find Meg dead. Um, this is the worst fake mustache in the history of film is a note I have. Uh, then uh, here is the scene. Um, we're at the end. They find Angela and Paul naked on the beach. She is cradling him. And uh, just then we get a flashback where Aunt Martha uh, explains that uh, she already has a boy. And why would she need another boy? She's always wanted a girl. Right. So Paul is the one who has survived the boat attack with the father. And not, the... not Paul. Paul's the name of the boyfriend oh what was the peter peter yeah peter and angela yeah so peter's the one that has survived and it wasn't angela that survived it wasn't even an angela probably. it was just another girl um so crazy aunt martha made her a girl um and that's just a. Uh... and the last shot is the what's legendary i'm sure wait, people wait 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 one of the one of the gay guys was the doctor's former husband. That somehow is mentioned in was some way. Was the aunt's former must? Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, yeah. So there's some. Where is that mentioned? It's somewhere in that flashback. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's that. It's a weird explanation at the end. Then we see that the head of Paul is off and falls off, and Angela stands up to the police and whatever and there this is the shot this is we're here uh this is a fully nude uh body with an angela mask that someone is standing behind uh, a college kid that they got liquored up who then like got naked and stood behind the mask and so we see that angela is a boy or has boy genitalia um, she utters this primordial scream that is like an, a monster and other, but it's also almost a triumphant scream. And the, the context of that scream and the this is who I am moment of it all, I think is where everyone's on the fence about the entire film. Let's speak about that. The reason this movie made money mm -hmm. was that last scene was that last scene people left that theater they went and they told their their friends you have to see this movie i'm not gonna tell you anything about it and that's why it made money and there and then there were sequels <coughs> i want to make it very clear 
I do not think this movie is well made. Uh-uh. I think the acting is horrible. Uh-huh. I think it's homophobic. I think it's transphobic. Uh-huh. But I think through the years and looking back at it now, it has inadvertently done the opposite. It made a lesson. It made it a lesson of us being born and being told what gender we are. Uh-huh. Do you know what I mean? It, and, and I think that's showing the, the problem with that inadvertently. Yeah. It's not making that point. It just happens to make that but point. But what's more interesting is that I would argue that Peter, who became Angela, I think that Martha found a Peter who was already an Angela and changed her, but she was quite happy to be changed in that way without surgery or anything, but just she was more comfortable, perhaps. And maybe then why the killing? Well, that as well as the 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 trauma that would be involved with losing not only your father but your your brother, your sibling at Mm -hmm. the same time. So there could have been something with that as well. I don't think the filmmakers really thought that part out. Mm -hmm. I think the killings, it really is. It's it's all the bullies. It's it's everybody that is a horrible person except those kids, except those kids, those peewees. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's the snapping. Point. Yeah. She's taking it too much, and she can't take it anymore. I mm-hmm. need to let go. But yeah, trans wasn't really it was called transsexual back at the then. time. Yeah, yeah. But there weren't as many. There wasn't as many different avenues to talk about as there are now. Which probably the, those avenues existed. We just didn't talk about them. Well, yeah. I will point to another uh, film of the time period that. He's also viewed as very transphobic. Uh, Dress to Kill, Brian De Palma, um, where the killer is this, you know, transsexual is the call. What is called? And there's actually um, like Geraldo show in the background discussing like actual trans people on TV from that time period, and it's interesting because it was this bugaboo. It was this scary thing. I guess you could go back to Psycho with the fear of there's a boy who's dressing up as a girl and isn't that weird then we have I don't know where in the timeline if Dress to Kill comes after or before um, Sleepaway Camp but of course we repeat this pattern for a while we have the crying game where that's the big reveal yet again uh, Dress to Kill was first Dress to Kill was first okay. 1980 um but Dress to Kill, that is the villain. That is the, you know, the scary trans person, the scary other. So, uh, part two, Sleepaway Camp 2, the opening description says, Angela Baker, a psychotic transsexual, escapes from a mental hospital and surfaces at the summer camp. This is a very multi-layered, maybe not really thought out, well, especially because two and three have nothing to do with the original filmmakers. So there is a return to Sleepaway Camp, which was done in 2008 with the original cast and the original director, which I hear isn't all that great. Again, kind of the same aesthetic uh, that the first one is, but they ignore two and three. Because two and three, I think, were taken over by the studio, you know, banking on, as we saw in the poster of uh, Angela with like a backpack with Jason mask, mask and the Freddy claws and the Freddy claws, like really taking advantage of that. I think there were a lot of 
again, inadvertent things that happened with the first film that two and three were 80-ized, uh, 80s-ized, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, we're just going to take this idea and create something else from it, when I don't think that's what the original... I think the original guy was still probably homophobic and transphobic, but there were at least some realities as far as the camp went. Right. But this is an, another discussion about, as we have more understanding of trans culture, I mean, even a film as revered as Oscar winner you know the silence of the lambs uh, oh yeah that's yeah he's thought of as horrible in the trans community yeah um can't think of the name of the jane gum uh buffalo bill buffalo bill yeah yeah i mean it's 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 this othering of like this unnatural thing that we should be scared of this man is a girl and isn't that weird and and i guess it's like only through the advent of more education more discussion about the topic um, the 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 de religioning of things. Well, That's where it's all. Really and also the from. demystification of it. Sure, Just absolutely. like if you learn more about it, you kind of go, oh, okay. Um, this is as natural to a trans person as you being you is natural to you. And these are all like not groundbreaking points I'm making. I'm just saying, it's just interesting. A lot of these films thread the same needle and have the same kind of othering feel, and I understand why people don't like them. I also understand on the flip side why some people look at some of these films as almost empowering or almost as... Uh, you'd almost, with, with the trans community, want to say revenge in a way. Yeah. Well, yeah. it is a revenge film. It of of the way you are treated. Through childhood, through bullying, through... Yeah, through life. And, and what what that choice means. And what and not that you would take an axe to someone's absolutely head. Absolutely no. no. But no, on no. a bad day, would it feel good to make you watch this? Perhaps. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and that's a very dark lens. But all in all, I will say, uh, if you haven't... And I, I am you know, 44 years old and lived through the 80s and 90s and never saw this film and just saw it this summer. And I thought it was, I posted a status on social media about I just watched it for the first time and there were tons of comments about, you know, the ending, this, that. Um, and I was surprised that it still holds a place in uh, a lot of people's early 80s uh, zeitgeist. Of well, I think it's a good bad movie if that makes sense you know that's a thing right it was perfect for the video rental market absolutely it was maybe not a film most people caught in theaters even <laughs> well i think i think they did i think that i because the video world really didn't start to boom until the mid 80s i don't think yeah like a couple years later but yeah, then so all that wasn't old in video right. home because i think sleepaway know. camp benefited from not no social media and and people going to see something and, and almost like their, the psycho effect of like no sure, one spoiled the, the ending effect the I mean name anything that was made at a certain time and Star Wars uh, people wanted to go see it because this was the only way to go see something and whether or not it was good or bad it had this one ending it was that, a water cooler moment absolutely absolutely yeah so would you recommend Sleepaway Camp uh, uh, I'll go first with trigger warnings in place, knowing that this is not um, transpositive, um, it's not gay positive either, really. It's I say the movie's very gay. Uh, 
as in it has over-sexualization of male bodies, uh, very strange sexualized gay behavior of young boys, um, the couple, uh, there's a lot of things in this that feel very like, oh, oh, my wire's being tripped. What is this about? Um, I would recommend it as an interesting piece of history um, of where the culture was in 1983 with these things. This is also not your average 1983 film. It's very strange. Um, but I would re recommend it if you are watching it like a piece from the past, knowing there are deep flaws and that, boy, we've hopefully come a lot further unless you live in Florida. Um, Ryan, do you have recommendation or not? Let Matt go first. Okay. I wouldn't recommend it mm -mm. unless you are researching film for a specific reason. I don't think there's any re reason to see what they actually did with the plot. Yep. That's all you got? Yep. Um, I would, I would, I'm on the fence between the two, I think. I, if you're somebody who likes this type of film to begin with, an 80s horror film, uh, it's not even the best of those. No. Um, I think it's pretty poorly made. I think the acting is, is, is pretty poor. I think you would get a lot of laughs out of watching it. But on the whole, yeah, prob I probably wouldn't. It's not a recommend for me. Yeah. All right. Well, there you have it. There is Sleepaway Camp from 1983. Um, we'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of Season 6. Boy, you really like us watching these movies. Um, we can tell from the Jaws episode, from all the listens. Thanks so much. I'm glad that you are on board with this spooky October month detour. Um, what do I need to tell people? If you are in the area and are so inclined and interested, we have our show, Ichabod, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, that runs till October 30th at Creative Cauldron, www.creativecauldron.org for tickets. There's also going to be a streaming night of that, and that's Saturday, October 29th. So even if you're not in the area and want to see it, on the 29th of October, that evening, you can live stream uh, the show. So people near and far can watch Ichabod. Tell us what you think. Um, it can be a group experience. We're very grateful for you and your listenership. If you want to learn more about us, please check out www.connorsmithmusicals.com. We also have another podcast that's out called Long Shot. It is a audio uh, soundscape book kind of thing in eight parts. The first part of which is out. The second part of which comes out on Halloween. So part one is out now, part two coming out on Halloween. Uh, you can find it wherever you get your pod your podcasts. I can't talk today. Your podcast. Um, and other than that, please rate, review, subscribe to our podcast. <clears throat> it really helps us out a lot. Share it where you share things. Post it where you post things. Make a comment on the Discord board. All the stuff. Get involved in any way you can. And other than that, we will see you in a couple days with another spooky movie. All right? Bye! Bye.